I'm talking about like emotional strength. I'm talking about making eye contact with people. I'm talking about confidence, self-esteem, self-awareness. All these things happen when you when you get fit and lose weight. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey everybody, it's David Allen from MakeWordsPay.com. I'm back with another edition of the podcast and I got a very exciting guest here today. Uh, his name is Bedros Koulian and he is the most trusted consultant in the fitness industry. Uh, now he started with a number of fitness gyms and you know, uh, much to our liking, of course, used direct response marketing and sales techniques to blow those businesses up. And then he became the founder of uh, the FitBody Bootcamp and FitBody which is, according uh, to what I've read, the fastest growing fitness chain in the world. Bedros, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir, and thank you for having me. What a great opportunity. Yeah, it's exciting to have you on the show. Um, now, maybe we'll just start, you know, take us through for people that don't know much about you. And to be honest, uh, you know, I've read a few things, but I don't know a ton about you. Maybe take us back to the, the very start and sort of give us, you know, the, uh, the trajectory that your career has taken, the superhero origin story, if you will. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. So, and, uh, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll encapsulate this and then you can take it, you know, further in depth if you want. However, it's, uh, my story is a little different than everybody else who has had a rags to riches story because mine was a dumpsters to riches story. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. But, you know, it all worked out okay in the end. But um, my dad decided that we're going to escape communist Russia in 1980, and we came to the United States. And I was six years old. I was the baby of the family. We were poor. We were broke. We didn't understand the language. But the greatest thing was that we were in a country that gave us opportunity and hope to make money as long as we paid it forward and served the people in the communities that we were going to go into business. I mean, that was my dad's whole philosophy. He wanted to come to America, uh, learn the language, and then start a little tailor shop and then serve the community of Anaheim, Anaheim, California, where he still lives today with my mom. And um, that's exactly what he did, man. And he taught me and my brother and sister this idea of being an entrepreneur of, of that the freedom will allow you all the types of opportunities that you want. Uh, but in the process, you know, we moved around a lot growing up, uh, different apartments, got evicted a lot, lived in apartments that were so dirty, so filthy, that as a child, at eight years old, I got lice, and we were so broke, my mom couldn't afford lice treatment, and so she literally had my dad siphon out gasoline from the car, and she washed my hair with gasoline right on the grass in front of oh. the apartment. Yeah, wow. yeah, I know. Wow. So I kind of tell people, listen, I've eaten out of dumpsters because it was cheaper to just dive into the dumpsters, according to my dad, mm -hmm. uh, behind the grocery stores and pick out, take out food that's been expired, but necessarily hasn't gone bad yet. Right. And it's cheaper to eat that than to go and buy the food from the grocery stores. And so at the end of the day, all of those adversities that we faced, I realized were adversities that have helped me become a better entrepreneur because there's not a tough situation that I haven't gone through from having my hair washed with gasoline to being yelled at and said, you know, Hey, you're, you're a fucking foreigner. Get the fuck out of this country, uh, to, to, to eating out of dumpsters. So any business adversity that I get today is like a walk in the park as far as I'm concerned. 
right? And what was your, you know, your father uh, instilling this entrepreneur mindset on you? What was he sort of up to? What sort of businesses was he delving into? And so he he was he worked as a tailor in Armenia, which was okay. at the time of Soviet rule. And he wanted to have his own little tailor shop where he can custom make suits and stuff. And so we came to the United States and he and my mom and my older brother and older sister all worked two or three jobs around the clock. And they saved enough money where before we ever even bought a house, my dad, within three years of being in the country, he had a tiny 900 square foot alteration shop, a tailor shop right. in Anaheim. And, uh, and believe it or not, he did alterations for the, the CEO of Disney at the time. He did alterations for the Backstreet Boys when they came to perform at the uh, <laughs> stadium. I mean, wow. my, my dad has done work for some like big wigs throughout Orange County mm-hmm. simply by building a reputation, this, this old foreigner dude. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it was that little tailor shop that helped him buy three homes, one of, of which he lives in, and the other two ended up being his retirement nest eggs. Right. Well, that's very smart. Absolutely. And he put the business, you know, the, the wealth generating thing first by getting the tailor shop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so growing up, while I have this rags to riches story, I resonate better with the whole, I'm the American dream, but I have the immigrant edge. And right. that's what I like to share with people these days. So at what point did you start delving into like fitness and stuff like that? Oh man, I was a fat kid growing up because when you're eating out of dumpsters and when your parents <laughs> can only afford bologna and cheese and white bread and spam, I still like, I see a can of spam, bro, I could bite through the can and <laughs> I'm being honest with you, man. I'm not, listen, everyone's like, you're a guru, you're making millions. I don't care about any of that. You show me a can of spam and my knees go weak, right? And so it, it, it's a problem, man. So by the time I was in high school, I was like 40 pounds overweight. I was like a squishy, fat kid. And I wanted to go to prom with this girl named Nakaya. And prom was one year away because this was 11th grade now. And I go, man, she's not going to want to go to prom with some fat dude. So that summer... I started working out, reading muscle magazines, eating as clean and healthy as I could. And before you know it, I lost 35, 40 pounds, went back to school senior year, and I was a whole new man. It, never mind the physical transformation. Mm-hmm. David, I'm talking about like emotional strength. I'm talking about making eye contact with people. I'm talking about confidence, self-esteem, self-awareness. All these things happen when you, when you get fit and lose weight because you kind of come out from hiding. And so while I never worked up enough nerve to ask Nakaya to the prom and so I never went to the prom which which was okay the best gift I ever got or gave to myself was the gift of fitness and a rebirth if you will so I decided that this is going to be my path I want to help more people achieve this outcome of of self-awareness self-discovery fitness through um, uh, developing your mindset and self-confidence and so on and uh Man, since 1997, this is what I've been doing. Now, it's been a hell of a struggle, and I ended up homeless a couple times when I failed or two, but that's, you know, that's the path that all entrepreneurs probably take. So you went from, now did you start just by personal training people at the local gym or and yeah. then graduate, or how did it work? Yeah, so I, you know, in the back of those muscle magazines that I was reading, it, uh, you know, they have those little fractional ads, and one of the ads said, become a certified personal trainer and make $100 an hour. 
Well, right. listen, I did the math. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not a mathematician, but I did the math. A hundred dollars an hour. And if I can train eight people a day, that's $800 a day. You multiply that by the number of, of, of days in a month, I'm going to be rich. Right. And <laughs> what I didn't realize, Dave, is that you actually have to learn how to prospect and influence and, right. and, and create a brand and an awareness and all that stuff. So I was the personal trainer who was certified, but instead of $100 an hour, I was making $11.30 per hour mm -hmm. at the local big box gym. And then I also worked as a fry cook at Disneyland. And I worked as a bouncer at a gay bar on the weekend because the gay bar paid more than the straight bar. Um, again, talk about the trajectory of the entrepreneur. I realized at the gym, all I wanted to do was train people, but I had three clients. And most of the time I was spending my time racking up weights of people who just decided not to rack their weights up. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> it was a bit of a bumpy start you could say, but thankfully, thankfully one of my personal training clients, his name is Jim Franco. Uh, and we're still friends till this day. He's in the seventies. Now he was this uh, wealthy entrepreneur without even realizing I was being mentored by him as I was training him in the gym, man, he started to teach me how to become an entrepreneur, how to think like a millionaire, how to think scale. And before long, for a few years later, after getting certified, I, I opened up my first personal training studio in San Diego. So he yeah. was sort of like, uh, by osmosis, he was sort of delivering these, you know, uh, ideas into your head during your, your sessions. Yeah, exactly. And once I figured it out, I started to kind of leave the next 30 minutes after his session open. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, just start kind of nagging along. I would start nagging along and, um, uh, walking him to the front door and I'd stop him at the juice bar and I'd ask more questions. And before you know it, now I was getting coaching and mentoring from him. Right. Right. Now, did you take that and, and build up a, a training business like within that establishment first and then take them elsewhere or what was the next step? No, no. One thing uh, um, I learned very quickly in life is this karmic justice. And I still teach that to personal trainers worldwide. Don't go building up your clientele somewhere and then steal those clients and go open up somewhere else because karmic justice will whoop your ass and the same thing will happen to you. Right. So I, I literally, what I did though, is I started putting lead boxes out in the community as my gym was being built out. And while I was still working as a, at a, at a gym um, in town, at yeah. a big box. And through the, you know, at the time, no Facebook, no social media. So I'm putting lead boxes in the community and right. then literally communicating with these people via email, letting them know when my gym's going to open up. They can work out for the first two weeks, absolutely free. Um, and so I just created a lot of organic buzz the best I could. And this was at the time, I guess, social media marketing, very 1.0. Yeah, sounds like it. Now, what, at what point did, so you got your first gym open and then you started, and now you're in business and you're in business for yourself. You're officially like a, you know, I guess you were before an entrepreneur, but now you're really feeling it. At what point did you start uh, learning about direct response? You know, I, so here's, here's one thing that Jim Franco, that client who mm -hmm. mentored me, turned me on to, he turned me on to a sales cassette tape with if uh, <laughs> listening to this doesn't know what a cassette tape is <laughs> at the wax museum, they probably have like a cassette tape artifact. Um, but he gave me a cassette tape of Tom Hopkins who did real estate sales. And he said, here, listen to this real estate sales uh, audio cassette because you, you just don't know how to sell. You're an order taker. You're letting all these sales go by. I said, great, no problem. So Tom Hopkins leads to Brian Tracy, Brian Tracy, leads to Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins leads to Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy leads to Gary Halbert. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I'm exposed to not only selling, but personal growth and 
correct response. Mm-hmm. And I remember Dan Kennedy talking in, in one of his audio cassettes mm-hmm. about if you really want to learn direct response marketing, which is accountable marketing, and that's the way he said it. He said it's not just brand building, it's accountable marketing. Direct response is where you take a dollar and you know exactly how much money that dollar generated for you. Then you're going to want to take the best performing direct response ads and handwrite them. And then in that audio cassette, he talked about, and he said, for example, like any high-performing ad from Gary Halbert. So again, I'm not the sharpest guy in the, in the room, but I do know someone smarter than me or wealthier than me says, this is what you do. I did it. And right. so I started handwriting, finding all these Gary Halbert letters and handwriting them. And until this day, I have two giant milk crates of Gary Halbert letters, which I actually shared with Kevin and Bond Halbert um, a few years ago, and they photocopied them because I had all their dad's, you know, old yeah. letters. Yeah. Not so you just went and actually found those letters on your because back then, of course, you know, it wasn't uh, readily available like the internet, of course. So you just went and searched in papers and magazines and so forth yeah. to get those things. Exactly. That's great. That's great. And as a result, you probably valued them a lot more. Absolutely. And back then, I had time on my hands, just right. like people who are. Who are starting out you got when you got time in your hands you can go do the search oh these days the google search print the damn thing out and start handwriting it these days now i don't have time on my hands i pay people to go find me stuff but man you got time on your hands and people tell me i don't have the resources i don't have the time i just want to slap them silly when they say that yeah I went through the same process too. And I, I found out about all this through Gary Halbert, which people can go back in the episodes and listen to about. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And actually it's funny cause I started in the fitness industry too. I had my own personal training uh, at gym at one point in my early twenties and uh, I didn't know anything about, I wish I'd learned about direct response then cause it probably would still exist if I had, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And one of my mentors was uh, Arthur Jones from guy who started Nautilus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. So uh, I met him. So that was a, an interesting thing. But so you, so you get your own gym and now you start to multiply your gyms. You start to open other ones. You start to take, you know, start your own empire. Is that the next step? Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of looking at it like this. I was a job owner when I had my own gym. I was a job owner. I went from having a job to owning a job, which is, which is better than having a job. Right. But then you're pretty much working 24 hours a day as a job owner. And then I went and started figuring out that I can become an entrepreneur where I can have others work for me and run the systems and the systems can run the business. And for long, I had five personal training studios throughout San Diego, which I ultimately ended up selling and kind of went into coaching and consulting to trainers after that. Now, when you decided to make that leap from owning the actual gyms into like telling people how what to do with their gyms, essentially. The Kennedy is still a big influence on that regard, too, or? Yeah, by that point, you know, Kennedy, Jay Abraham, Joe Polish, uh, I mean, man, you name it, I was, I was buying tickets to events, audio cassettes, CDs, memberships to newsletters. I had it all. I was spending money I didn't have on educating <laughs> myself because I have discovered that the more I knew, the more I realized I didn't know. So I had to learn it all so that I could be the best at my craft. And it was money well invested. And that's, I think, a common theme for all the people we have on the show is that they attended live events, uh, which is a big part of their thing for the connections they made and the, and the tr- you know training and stuff they got and to seeing other people doing what they want to do uh you know that sort of mindset stuff you talked about a bit earlier coming from such uh, meager beginnings and also uh, the knowledge you know you just availing yourself of the best of the best of where you where you want to go yeah exactly right i mean what could be more powerful than being at a dan kennedy seminar as a young man 
and then seeing exactly how he moves the audience into action. What could be more powerful than hearing his pitch in person and then trying to you know reverse engineer it? What right. could be more powerful than the environmental exposure that you're going to get at a live event? I don't know of anything more powerful than that. That's right. All right. So you decide to jump into the coaching and consulting business. And at that point, you know, how were you finding people? Did you, you knew other gym owners and stuff? You approached them or how did it go? Yeah, because by the time I had my five personal training gyms, people or trainers in the industry started to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. And hey, you know, because a couple of our industry publications had written about about the fact that I own personal right. training. Here's the weird thing. As a fellow trainer, you'll understand this. Mm-hmm. They weren't even writing about the fact that that I had five personal training gyms that were kicking ass. Right. They were writing about the fact that I was rocking the industry because I decided to do two things different than all other trainers, which was I switched from 60 minutes to 30 minute training sessions. Right. Instead of selling 10 and 15 and 20 sessions at a time and then coming back and selling you again, I'm just going to sell you a 12 month membership to my program and actually charge you 500 to $800 a month on a reoccurring basis. And they right. thought that was craziest, most absurd thing they, they would write about me. <laughs> Look at this crazy man doing wacky stuff in our industry. Mm-hmm. But a handful of trainers who were like, you know, maybe that's not so crazy if the guy has five you know, studios and it's working. These guys and gals would reach out to me. And my only question to them was, are you in San Diego? And they said, no. Great. You're not in San Diego. You're not competing with me. I'll help you for free, man. And right. so I started coaching and consulting even before I sold my gym. I loved it so much that I kept them kind of in my circles. Mm-hmm. And then by this point, you know, the internet's starting to rock and roll. It's 2003, 2004. And um, I started doing the old Google search. And I hate to admit this, but I started scraping email addresses. And <laughs> I'm being honest here. Yeah. Hey, this is what it's about, right? This is people want to know what works, not what, uh, you know, yeah. not some utopian approach. For the record, do not, do not, do not. You can't you want to try these days. I guess you, you can't do that anyway. I'm speaking to your listeners here. But right. back in 2003, 2004, you're going to go find Bob's personal training website and then send them an email over and over again with no unsubscribe link. And, and that was fine. I mean, today. Right. So you were, you were just using what was available and sort of uh, it was kind of like the wild, wild west, too, at that point. Yes, sir. So then you built up this, you know, from helping these people for free. And then eventually, you know, did you make the, did you sell everything first and then do it? Or did you just start taking paid clients for the consulting and then sold your gyms? Or what was the order of events? So I actually didn't have any plans to sell my gyms. A uh, kind of a big national brand came through mm. and made me an offer for my gyms that I couldn't refuse. And, and check this out. The only reason they wanted to buy my gyms, not because I had a great brand or I had this awesome system. It wasn't any of that. Remember that wacky idea that I had about putting people on a 12-month commitment contract and charging them monthly? Right. As it turns out, they liked the idea that I had clients who were committed for 12 months, which means Mm. I had a fitness business that had predictable, reoccurring, scheduled income. Right. And so they said, we want to buy your future receivables, and uh, we're going to open up bigger personal training studios right around the areas that you have your gyms, and so we're going to just suck those clients over. So they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I sold, and at that point, I was kind of at a fork in the road. Do I, do I open up more gyms, or do I start coaching and consulting because I'd gotten a taste of that, and I liked it? So I chose the coaching and consulting. Now, did you choose against the gyms because you thought... It was just a labor intensive and so forth, or what was what was the thinking there? Oh man, I'm gonna lay it on you straight, because uh, <laughs> again, you'll appreciate this as a fellow trainer, <laughs> dude. Right around that time, it's almost like the universe spoke to me. Right around that time, I had a trainer who had already uh, we had just caught that stole over seven seven thousand dollars training clients under the table, stole seven thousand dollars from me in one of my gyms. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it gets better. It gets better. Another trainer had impregnated a client, right? Another tra- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they fucked, but I got screwed. Yeah. See? <laughs> it's, like, it's like one of these uh, reality TV shows. Yeah, man. And so I realized, all right, I got 60 employees, and there's just no way I can get, like, fighter jet level employees when you have 60 of them. You, you can probably get yeah. five or 10 fighter jets, but if you need a large number of team members, you're going to have to kind of, you know, get some yeah. lower level people, unfortunately. So I was tired of having that many employees who I was unable to manage. Now I'm a better manager and hirer of people today. So I don't have those problems, even though I've got more employees. Um, but back then I was just done, done, done. So I just went the path of coaching and consulting. So you started doing this co- coaching and consulting for the people that, uh, you know, you already had in your inner circle, so to speak. What did you do from there? Like, wh- where did you take it? Did you sort of, uh, how did you try decide to build that business. Yeah. So my, I asked my brother-in-law, I said, Hey, look, I've got all this knowledge. So I want to create a course that we can give away for free in exchange for email addresses. Mm -hmm. Uh, at that point, one shopping cart had come around and I started using one shopping cart, um, which was also known as marketer's choice and which is just an email. It's, it's like an archaic infusion software on report, right? For people who don't know. Long story short, I said, I, I, I got all this knowledge. Let's create a digital course that we can give away in exchange for an email address. And then I will start following up with these people and I'll sell them coaching. We created a course before you know it, you know, Google starting to rock and roll. So we're doing a, uh, we put up a blog and I started creating blogs in PT Power and Renegade Fitness Marketing. Both started to rank really high for all my keywords like fitness marketing, personal trainer marketing, how to start a personal training business. And so I started creating a, by 2005, I had a product suite. So I had many, three or four different lead generators, um, how to sell personal training, how to market personal training. Uh, Those were free. Those led to 19 different information products, courses and stuff, CDs, DVDs, books that you would get. And those escalated into higher level coaching and consulting. And around 2009, I realized I've got more phone coaching clients that I know what to do with. And I'm spending my too much time on my ass and not enough time working on my business. And so I need to, again, go back to group training, right? Mm. Like personal training. So I started masterminds and today I have three different masterminds and over 400 mastermind coaching clients. And of course we have in 2012, I launched the fit body bootcamp franchise and uh, we have over 500 locations worldwide there. So those are actual gyms. Yeah. yeah those are actual gyms. Um, I always thought it was like the subway of personal training. <laughs> so you sort of went full circle. You went from having gyms or personal training to having gyms to getting out of the gym business to like yeah. doing co- and then getting was that uh, getting back into the gym business just like a sort of a logical extension of your sort of brand and everything? Yeah, it is, man. I'm a personal trainer by heart, and I always want to create change in, in, in people. And so right. the two things I like doing is helping fitness professionals grow their business, and then through those fitness professionals, I like helping people in the community who will never meet me. Lose right. weight, with better lives. And so I figured what better way than to create a franchise where it's the model that I envision, both in the training style and the way they're going to teach it and how we're going to coach them and we're going to have them eat. So it's, uh, yeah, it's come full circle. And how, and how do you find working with, you know, because obviously you're working on the higher end of the business, but when you're setting up these new things, like, so people go to, like, I've never been to a, uh, you know, a fit body uh, location. What am, what am I, what's the experience? Oh, the experience is actually very cool. So everybody comes in on a low barrier offer and the lowest barrier offer we have is three free workouts. The highest barrier offer is a six week transformation contest and anything in between. It could be a 21 day rapid fat loss program, 
But I'm a big believer in we're not going to sell you a 12-month program without you ever trying it. So everyone comes in on a low-barrier program, and it's really cool, man. You're, doing, you're using equipment that's effectively functional equipment for fat loss, like uh, suspension straps, battle ropes, kettlebells, sleds, plyo boxes, you know, weighted balls, dumbbells, et cetera. Right. But the coolest thing about it is you're working out in a group environment, and our model is called the four-station rotation. So we put clients, as much as 70 clients at a time, through anywhere between four and six stations in 30 minutes. We rotate them with music. It's mm-hmm. a family community type of feel. Um, we have Facebook private group for every single location, uh, a Fit Body Bootcamp location. So even when you're not working out, you're already you're plugged in mm-hmm. to the family for your iPhone or whatever hickey that you have. And we focus on mindset and nutrition as much as the workouts. Again, as a trainer, you know this. Without mm-hmm. that, we're not going to get results. And so we focus on mindset and nutrition, and people realize that, you know what? This is way cheaper than one-on-one personal training. Because instead of four to eight hundred dollars a month, they're now paying one forty-seven to one ninety-seven a month. Mm-hmm. Really cool community that's competitive, fun, and you actually get results. What could be better? Yeah, that sounds really cool. <laughs> so for people, uh, so you have products and stuff too that people can access that uh, maybe don't just pertain to the fitness industry. Yes. Uh, well, no, not not really. The only product I have outside the fitness industry is uh, direct coaching and consulting. Okay. Uh, in the fitness industry, I've got a massive product line, software, resources, etc., which they can access, people can access my free stuff and paid stuff on ptpower.com. Okay. Uh, but on my blog, I have a lot of free stuff for all types of entrepreneurs. Uh, bedrosecooling.com is my blog. Okay. And if anyone was actually interested in working with me, silly them, why would they? Uh, just kidding. Everyone wants to work with me, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, they would just click on the consulting tab and pay the 50 G's once we qualify them and work with me. Awesome. <laughs> well, I want to thank you, Bedros, for coming on the show, man. You've been really entertaining. You've given a lot of knowledge to our audience, and it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Well, thank you so much, David. I really appreciate the opportunity, man. It's been great. And for everybody else listening, we'll be back again with another edition of the podcast next week. All right. We'll see everybody then. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more. Oh,